electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a West Coast edition of Mad Money, coming to you right from San Francisco. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you how it works. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Cramer. When you're out here in Silicon Valley, you're conscious that the merest mention of stocks, or at least stock prices, marks you as someone who's tawdry, meretricious, mercantile, and worst of all, commercial. These top execs out here are so purpose-driven that they make you think that if you cut their pay to zero, they keep doing their jobs for free. The fact is, though, they don't work for free. And they actually care passionately about their stocks because stock options are often a big chunk of how they and their people get paid. For me, what I'm trying to teach stocks, the most difficult aspect, is to not get too caught up in their mission. Because from the market's perspective, the mission can be irrelevant unless, it seems, it comes from people practicing it out here. Here, it matters. Now, that's something we need to dig into today. A day where the Dow shed 211 points. As we dipped 0.26%, NASDAQ declined 0.33%, but it felt much soggier than that. So I want you to consider first the case of a company called Affirm Holdings. Now, this is a stock that has been a rocket ship ever since Affirm won the contract to be the sole buy now, pay later option for Amazon. When we spoke with Max Levchin, he's the CEO of Affirm earlier this week right here, he told us he's on a mission. He genuinely believes the credit card companies are going to be roadkill because the firm offers a better value proposition. Consumer credit with no late fees and no interest charges, particularly the, of the hidden kind. Now, left is a renegade. The credit card business is a notoriously lucrative one, propelled by extortionate interest rates that they claim are necessary to make up for all the cardholders who can't pay their bills in time. Max feels strongly that the credit card companies have kept multiple generations of financial chains. As he season, a firm's come up with a competing product that relies on the theory of reciprocal altruism, a 
of people paying on time. You know, it's a little like Bailey's building and loan, isn't it, from It's a Wonderful Life, with Max as kind of an unlikely George Bailey. Ordinarily, I'd be more skeptical, but the defaults are absurdly low for his company. And the pandemic, wasn't that the perfect stress test? And it held up. If they could handle a pandemic-led downturn like last year, then I really do bet that Max can handle anything. So a firm does have a mission. But what matters is that it's winning big business because it's a better value proposition than borrowing from the credit card companies. And its shareholders have already made fortunes, whether they believe in the mission or not. All right. So now let's contrast that with another company that's on a mission to keep costs down. Legendary cost down. Legendary inflation fighter. Except they're doing it in retail. And they're doing it in Bentonville, Arkansas, not Silicon Valley. Yep, I'm talking about Walmart. Now, CEO Doug McMillan came on Squawk on the Street yesterday and said that he's on a mission to keep prices down. He's not passing on the price increases that have riddled the kitchen and the bedrooms of so many Americans. But because of that anti-inflation mission, Walmart won't earn as much money as in, in the near term as we thought, even as it might make more money long, term, long haul if the new customers stick with them. Now, Walmart's mission may be great for its customers, but it's given the shareholders just a beating. Big institutions are dumping the stock in droves because they'd much rather own a retailer that's jacking up prices in order to maximize profitability right now. I got to thinking, what if Doug McMillan spoke from, I don't know, like that tall building over there? Or like Menlo Park on Palo Alto Cupertino? Maybe then all his mission talk would send the stock higher, not lower. Both the firm and Walmart... They share an ethos. They're driven to keep prices down for the consumer. But a firm stock is a winner. Walmart, not so much. Now, we actually own some Walmart stock for the Travel Trust. We sold some at higher levels. We're actually itching to buy some of that stock back because I believe in Walmart's strategy longer term. I think it's a smart way to take market share. But here, out here in Silicon Valley, it's not about taking share. It's about long runways. It's about greenfield opportunities. It's about total addressable market, TAM, that can be, I don't know, higher than we've ever dreamed. If Walmart were a football player, it would be an interior lineman. It just let up a sack, so it's therefore unreliable and needs to be cut. A firm is the fleet-footed wide receiver that can jump over everyone from PayPal to Visa to J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and, of course, bring in the TD. Let me give you another example. Square. Okay, Square's a, another payment technology play with an ethos. They, too, are on a mission, a mission to empower small businesses and now and, yes, now younger people who have been left behind by the big banks. It seemed like a preposterous idea to cater to the flea market owner or the small barkeep, didn't it? But it turns out there are hundreds of thousands of these small enterprises and people that need Square's point-of-sale and cash system. It's purpose-driven. But it's also a terrific business opportunity. If Square were a division of J.P. Morgan or Citigroup, believe me, no one would think it has any purpose other than to make a lot of money. The aura, the halo is all over the place out here. Airbnb isn't just some outfit that helps you rent out your home. It's a purpose-driven enterprise that allows cash-strapped homeowners to make a little extra cash in order to put food on the table or cover their medical bills. If Airbnb were based in New York, I think it would be known as a rapacious international rooming house chain. How about DoorDash? Okay, is it a group of bike couriers who bring you food? No, it's an ecosystem, a flywheel of empowered drivers working when they want to, to deliver food from restaurants that would otherwise not get to sale. The odd thing is it's true. 
everyone does thrive. On the East Coast, this wouldn't even be a business. It would be an afterthought. On the West Coast, it's worth 79 bill. One more. One more that I was criticized by for a host of people, including my daughter. My desire to praise Peter Rawlinson and his little car company, Lucid, because it cleans the skies, which is, well, maybe not so little because it's now worth $86 billion. The stock's been on a roll because these are purpose-built electric vehicles. He only has reservations for 17,000 of them. Meanwhile, if a new company with internal combustion-powered cars were to sell 17,000 units a day, not 17,000 reservations over months, a day, it wouldn't be worth one-tenth of Lucid because it's an internal combustion engine company. Is it right? Is it right? That's what they asked me. Is it right, Jim? What what does that have to do with it? I I hate that question. Is it right? Is it right that they're bigger than Ford? Who cares? Right now, I think you can make the most money looking for companies with a purpose, as long as they are based out here, even if they're also losing a great deal of money. I wish I were kidding. You may love rapacious capitalism. You may think that these CEOs out here with their stock options and their same levels of wealth are hypocrites, total hypocrites. Me? I just say, I come out here to learn these things. I'm not going to pass judgment on Square or Affirm. They're winning businesses, and they're winning businesses, and their stock are going higher. All right, they may not be as profitable as the big old dogs from the East, but the new young buyers, both individuals and institutions, the new young stock owners, they want to hear there is a purpose to the enterprise. They know that younger people, the best and the brightest, will go to work at these companies. They, they know that they have an aversion to working in a place that doesn't share the ethos of an affirmer or a square. They're not drawn to the East Coast drudgery or Midwest metal bending. They want to go where they can make a difference. And right now, Silicon Valley is where you get that chance. The better they do it, the better they feel, and more important for the home gamer, the more money they make for you. So the bottom line, sometimes you need to spend all your rigor and accept that having a purpose can also mean having a stock price that is higher, provided the company in question is also on a mission to make lots of money. And it's based where we are all week, the heart of Silicon Valley in California. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Chuck in Florida. Chuck. Hey, Jim. Chuck. I just, I just wanted to ask you a, a, a question. Um, first of all, we're the same age, and my favorite show growing up was uh, Wall Street Week with Louis Rukeyser. He was the best. My, Friday night, 830. Loved it. Yep, and my favorite guest was John Templeton. I love that story about how he bought every, uh, every uh, stock on the New York Stock Exchange that was a dollar or less right at the end of the Depression. It was a, it was a great story. Well, but there were that, all, the, all the great memories of that show. Got a lot of people involved. Let's make some money together. What's going on? All right. I wanted to ask you about the Xilinx AMD merger. Sure. Um, I, I listened to the, uh, the uh, AMD uh, conference call, and Lisa Sue said she's confident that uh, the deal is supposed to close by the end of the year. Yes. Um, I did some, you know, calculations. I'm a retired teacher. I did my homework. And I saw that for every Xilinx share, uh, you'll be receiving 1.72 shares of AMD. Right. And my question to you, Jim, is in light of that, based on today's closing prices, it seems like whoever owns Xilinx shares is going to make a ton of money. And, I and know. I'm just it's wondering a, you know, why you're a school teacher and you're doing it right. It's a strange anomaly. You've looked at it in a rigorous fashion and you wonder, how can it be? And believe me, there are many other people who feel that way. I'm recommending AMD, not Xilinx. I don't like arbitrage risk. I don't think it's such a bad idea to take a little of that one off the table. 
And let's go to Gary in California, please. Gary. Hi, Jim. Thank you very much for taking my call. I'm a longtime viewer, and I really enjoyed the show, particularly. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, I've taken your advice. I listen to the conference calls, go over the transcripts, make notes, and go over the transcripts again. That, That's that what has been I want. very helpful. That has really made a difference. My question is about Seed Limited. You've spoken about it before, the multidimensional yes. Southeast Asia e-commerce company digital platform. The CEO of the conference call the other day, two days ago, I think, uh, made some rather impressive and I thought enviable uh, noting statistics with triple-digit growth on total revenue, growth in digital mm-hmm. entertainment, Shopee, e-commerce, growth profit, then increased their revenue guidance to more to 135% all these year over year. Its earnings per share uh, was great, loss was greater than expected, and the stock has gone down more yeah, than Yeah, but Gary, I'll tell you, you read this one right. This company is in so many good businesses. We take a long-term view on C-Limited. I have had that one for some time as a long-term view. I think it can go much, much higher. I think you've got a winner there. I'd stick with it. If not, right here, buy more. All right, listen, sometimes it's okay to believe that companies have a deeper sense of purpose, and they could also, therefore, have better stock prices. It's not cynical. It's empirical. But remember that the company in question must also be on a mission to make you lots of money. Now, there's much more mad money ahead. I'm sitting down with the CEO of a key Apple supplier and 5G player, Skyworks Solutions, to find out how come that stock is so darn cheap. Then, as employers embrace a hybrid model for workforces, identity and authentication becomes the king of the realm, and you've got to know how to do it. That's why we're going to sit down with Okta. Plus, my exclusive with the CEO of Cisco, fresh off... Yes, a downbeat earnings report. Stay with Craig. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the semiconductor shortage would be uniformly great for the semiconductor companies, but it's actually putting serious pressure on tons of chip makers. Why? Okay, let's say a gadget needs a hundred different chips. If you're just one, you're missing one of those, okay? That, that's a bottleneck, and that bottleneck means that the company, well, it doesn't matter if they have the other 99 chips, they're going to lose in orders. And that's the story of Skyworks Solutions, the radio frequency chip maker that's got huge exposure to smartphones and Internet of Things, think iPhones, cars. Since PK204 in April, the stock has tumbled to 160, it's $160 weighed down by the supply chain woes of its largest customers, along with fears that the rollout of 5G wireless might be delayed, something I disagree with. When Skyworks reported two weeks ago, the results were solid. But the forecast was merely in line, and that wasn't enough given that everybody was worried about production challenges at their top customer, Apple. The stock sank from 171 to 164 in response, and it's been stuck down there ever since. It's really inexpensive. Now we're finally hearing some good news in the semiconductor shortage. Could this be a buying opportunity? Let's check in with Liam Griffin. He's the chairman and CEO of Skyworks Solutions to get a better read on where the business is headed. Mr. Griffin, welcome back to Bay Money. Great to see you, Jim. And what a great backdrop we have here in San Francisco. Well, it's, nice it, to see you on the thank West, you. West Coast. It's nice, <laughs> nice to be in person. It means a great deal. Thank you, thank you for coming up. Sure. Now, uh, we know Skyworks Solutions is 5G, but on this most recent quarter, here's the highlights. Uh, Launch connected home and security. Shipped Sky 5 wins at Garmin supporting mobile fitness. Uh, Samsung Galaxy Book. Power isolation. Autonomous driving. When should we stop thinking of you as pure 5G? Listen, we, we are 5G, but we have a broad market business that is incredible right now. We grew revenues to $1.4 billion in broad markets. And our core business went from 3.3, Jim, to 5.1 in one year. 3.3 billion to 5.1. All of those transactions in the middle, broad markets, heavy design wins with 5G, hitting all geographies, and really connecting people. That's what we're all about. We're demonstrating that in the numbers. Well, I like that. In one of your, uh, in your conference call, you talked about in China, at least, it's not phone to phone, but it's technology to technology. That's, right. That's a better way to look at what you do. It's labs to fabs. I mean, we are a custom curator of technology. We build our own products in, in-house, Jim. We talked about this. Right. We spent, in the last two years, probably about a billion two in capex to drive technological high-scale solutions that put us in a better position with the supply chain headwinds. So I don't have to worry about Taiwan semiconductor and politics when it comes to Skyworks Solutions. You, no, you don't. Now, they're partners, but the lion's share of our technology is in-house. Gallium arsenide in Boston. You can go to L.A. with our products. 
We have design win centers in Mexico and moving into Singapore and other areas, but we own our assets, we own our technology, and we can deliver that scale in high level. Now, because of that, are you getting an increasing amount of your product in high-end cell phones? Absolutely, yeah. And the diversification theme that you mentioned takes that business beyond the cell phone. When now, we started but, talking about the, the uh, broad market did not do what I wanted. I wanted it to be better. Was that the supply chain issue that I'm talking about? Yeah, in the Q4 period, yes. sequentially nipped down a little bit with supply chain headwinds. Exactly the point you made. You could have 99% of the product, but if one piece is missing, there's going to be a delay of revenue. But then suddenly what people decided to do is make it so that you no longer have a growth multiple. You've got China Lick, you might be one of the best providers of chips in China, and you make them there, they love you. I mean, there's no politics. Uh, automotive is just going to get better and better with that acquisition from July. Yep. To me, I think that the market is presuming that supply chains are going to, uh, uh, the supply chain is going to accelerate in, in, in its magnitude against you. I don't see that happening. No, it's not happening for Skyworks, I can tell you that much. We, we continue to deliver these solutions. We continue to drive profitability. We, we posted 1050 of EPS from $6 the prior year, right? Look at that. But it's just a one six, it's 60, actually it's 14 times next year's earnings and a growth stock. I could argue that you have the same mosaic as Qualcomm and they talk their game up and suddenly their stock's flying. And yet I think that you have a, a really good book of business and without a lot of, uh, one, uh, of, of risk of some uh, friskier customers. Yeah, listen, the opportunity that we have is incredible. The, 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 the business cases and usage cases around connectivity continue to elevate, get tougher, more challenging. That's what we do. Okay. We want to take on the tough challenges. We want to hit the fastballs, and that's how we grow our business. We have a roster of new customers now that we've brought forward. Some of those are in broad markets, and some are in still in IoT and mobile. So we look forward to serving those customers, and we think the opportunity with the headwinds abating in the supply chain we're going to continue to rip and roar as we go into 22. And that includes the uh, expanded smart car, which you know I like very much. Yes, absolutely. We're moving more into EV. We talked about robo-taxis. Uh, there's opportunities now that we're seeing in solar and markets like that. Still opening up that aperture and using the same core technologies that we're able to use in other connected devices. But I want to explain to people that uh, if you do business with Apple, Apple prefers not for you to talk about them. But you can speak generally about the 5G cell phones around the world. How are they selling? Uh, are the phone companies offering the discounts to move? Because they're beginning to get pretty expensive. There is some sticker shop. Yeah, there's some sticker shock, and there's also some headwinds with supply there in mobile as well. But I will tell you that the devices that we're, 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 we're supplying to are critical. They're pivotal. They're still vital to the economy. Uh, the largest player in the world is, continues to outpace everyone else with technology and performance. That is the key. And with technology and performance, Skywork steps up and delivers, right? Complexity for us, that's our friend. Exactly. We want to solve those tough problems. All right, last question for me is, uh, you know our uh, Commerce Secretary, Gene Raimondo, has yeah. tried mightily to make it so that we build here. You've been building here for years. What is your advice to them? Because everybody else fled. You proved that you could make a fortune here. Uh, don't you feel like to some degree uh, these, some of these characters are asking the government for help when you were doing it right the whole time? I agree completely. I'm glad that you you posed that question. Yes. Again, we are delivering high performance gallium arsenide technology in Boston, in L.A., 
Okay, we have some partnerships in Mexico, but the lion's share of our production is in the United States. Great people, great technology. We wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And it's not like you can't make money here. I mean, you know, it's all, I can't be here. I got to be in Malaysia. No, right, exactly. You can see it in our numbers. You can see it in our numbers, not just the top line, but the, the profitability that we can put forth with people right here. So we got to do more. We got to do more, more work around that. We got to continue to work with the government to help. But uh, this is a great place to do business. And I think you're. Uh 14 times earnings is ridiculous. I agree. You and I both now, I speak to you a great deal. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's way too low. That's Liam Griffin. He's chairman, president, and CEO of Skyworks Solution. The symbol's SWKS. The stock's been hanging around here long enough. I think it's ready to go back to where it was. Man, money's back there to the break. Coming up, Okta, Okta, give me the news. Kramer crowds into the cloud with a high-octane sit-down. Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. In a world where hybrid workplaces are the new normal, companies need to go above and beyond to protect against hackers because your home is a lot more vulnerable than a computer that's sitting in an office building, on the office network, or, of course, behind the office firewall. Anybody can get to it. Which brings me to Okta, the cybersecurity company that handles identity management for the enterprise. Think anything that requires your login and verification credentials. Now, here's the stock that's rallied from 247 to 266 since we last spoke to the CEO a little more than a month ago, right after their big customer showcase. So can this company, with no real competitors in the identity business, keep climbing through the end of the year? Earlier today, we had a chance to speak with Todd McKinnon, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Okta, and a longtime guest on may have money. Take a look. Todd, tell me why identity is everything. Identity is becoming the center of everything, like you say, and it's proceeding across a a number of important um, vectors. One is workforce. So people are realizing that as everyone works from home during the pandemic and now going back to more of a hybrid work environment, if they want to have a great user experience for their employees, and keep it secure, keep it safe from attacks and ransomware and all the other cyber threats out there, you have to have identity at the center. It has to be identity first. They're also realizing that for their customer experience, if they want to have a great website or a great mobile app, it's all about connecting that digital experience with a person, and that is identity. Identity is connecting the person with the right access on the mobile app or the website and bringing the right information to them for a great customer experience. But what do you do? We, we all know we don't want passwords. But we also know that we are being hacked because we don't have a good password. And then next, you know, you have a colonial pipeline where it is obvious that they stole people's identity and then they almost stole the company. So how do you balance the idea that we don't want passwords with the idea that we are hacked and then the company could be in jeopardy? Identity is about connecting people 
with technology, whether it's your workforce, employees, or whether it's your, your customers. And the reason why companies have to resort, result, resort to things like passwords is because the systems and the technology aren't all integrated. I'll give you a simple example. Okay. Why doesn't every website you go to require to, you, to use your Apple Face ID to log in? I don't because know. the websites aren't all connected to your iPhone. And good identity technology can integrate those together. They can integrate every website, every mobile app with your iPhone and give you a seamless login experience. And also, if all, every, company, every piece of technology the company wants to use behind the scenes, the customer databases, the servers, if all this stuff was integrated together with a centralized identity system, companies could put uni uniform policies in place that matched the risk of, of cyber attacks with the resource being accessed, and they would have the right security policy and balance ease of use, make things that are not so sensitive easy to get into, and make things that are highly secure, make sure you double check and triple check the access is right so you don't have these cyber attacks. Well, what's exciting is you're going to have a virtual showcase in New York. A lot of us in New York are hoping that Okta wins over CEOs because what you just described means that we probably would get an hour, maybe an hour and a half back of our day that we feel is being stolen from us by this process. One of the challenges with, with identity technology and, and talking about this vision is sometimes it's hard to imagine. I talk about things like integrating the technology and connecting and having this central policy engine. But if you're running a company, you know that you have to get security right. You know you have to connect with your customers. You know you have to have easy technologies and tools for your employees to work to be productive. But it's not always clear how identity fix, fits into that. So what we want to do is we want to build out a space in the Flatiron District of New York that helps executives see that. So it, it, they can look at the product. We can explain to them from an end user perspective, from an IT administrator, from a chief security officer, and from a board member or an executive. You can see, touch, and feel how identity fits into your environment and how it can solve these challenges for you, how it can make your workforce more productive, how it can make a better customer experience, and how it can, most importantly, make you more secure. Am I correct in believing that even though you're growing north of 50%, you're one of the fastest growers in the world, uh, that the number of companies, enterprises, that use Okta is a fraction of what needs Okta? The opportunity is big. We have about 13,000 companies as customers now. And there are many, many more organizations than that in the world. So the opportunity is massive. In fact, we think this total adjustable market is $80 billion. And one of the big things driving our progress toward that market is more cloud adoption. So the more cloud technology, we're a native-built identity right. platform in the cloud. So the more cloud adoption, the, the better we fit into that. And, the, and that really showcases our industry-leading network of 7,000-plus integrations, all connected, all maintained, all secure. So more cloud adoption. And another right. big driver of our business is this hybrid work environment. So it's not just about what you're using for technology on the back end. It's about where people are accessing the applications from and how you have this system that can have this consistent, simple-to-use security policy across whether you're working from home, whether you're working from an office, or, or somewhere in between. Right. So we can bring that to, to companies as well. Okay, so we so think that's going to drive our growth. You brought that to a company that's in the securities business that is actually must be secure or else. A company, Moody's, where they have the power to be able to control, literally, the credit rating of a company. If you found out what Moody's was going to do, you could make fortunes illegally. Uh, Moody's had to be assured that everybody who was in the Moody's system was who they thought it was. 
Well, if you look at companies and organizations, whether it's private companies, whether it's public, whether it's governments, they're all realizing that technology is the center of their business. Right. Moody's is a great example. It's a great customer. But almost every organization in the world has to, be, has to have the best security because the stakes for both what they can gain in their business and their market by using technology and what they can lose if they have a cyber breach are higher than ever. Right. Yeah. No, but why doesn't the government say, look, do you know everyone in your company? Do you know them, uh, it, meaning in the cloud, do you know them? Because it would stop a lot of cybersecurity. Now, yes, it would send a lot of business to Okta, which you want. But isn't that a logical extension of what the government has to do to make it so that we don't all pay ransomware and let the bad guys get away with it? You wouldn't have to pay ransomware if you had Okta. Well, you, you have to know the people. Right. And you have to know the users. But it's also an integration challenge, like I mentioned before. You have to know which devices they're likely to access the systems from. You have to know where they might access the systems from. You have to know when they might access it. And it's taking all of this integration and putting it all together and weaving that into a comprehensive security problem. That's what we help companies with. Well, let me ask you, is there anyone else who does it? I can't find anyone else who does what Okta does. Well, one of the big things, Jim, is that in previous generations of technology, the identity systems came with the platforms. Right. You got Oracle, right. and you got the identity system from Oracle. You got Microsoft Network. You got a Active Directory with the Windows Server. And what's different about this generation of technology is identity is so important, and, and weaving this universal policy and security across all of your technology is so important. You can't trust it to one platform vendor. Because if your platform vendor is selling you identity, they're going to guide your choices in what other applications and what other platforms right. you consume. So by being the only independent and neutral identity platform, we give customers choice. We're integrated to over 7,000 applications and systems, and that number of integrations is growing every day and as I, more I, people integrate to us. And we give customers choice. They can choose what app they want. They can choose what collaboration tool they want. They can choose what development platform they want to be successful. And no one else does that, which is one of the reasons why you're not only just the leader and the thought leader, you're the best stock in this group. And I've said that for a long time because there really isn't. Uh, you're what we would call sui generis. There's nobody else who does what Okta does or does it the way it does. I want to congratulate you, Todd McKinnon, co-founder and CEO of Okta, an amazing company, an amazing stock too, I could say that. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Jim. Coming up. One of the world's biggest hard and software companies joins Kramer Fresh Off Earnings. It's a can't-miss interview with Cisco, next. results from Cisco tonight. The networking equipment titan that's increasingly moving into a software and services subscription model reported what I have to say was a mixed set of numbers after the close tonight. They have a small earnings beat, a couple of the tiny revenue miss, slightly disappointing guidance for the current quarter, but not for the year. I say slightly because it chose to keep that full-year forecast the same, suggesting they can make up the revenue later in the year. In response, though, the stock is just getting crushed. It's down 6%. percent we got to figure out if this is a chance to buy a high-quality company at a discount, or should we just be tired of Cisco? My charitable trust owns it, trying to make up my own mind, looking at the different things that are involved. And I say, you know what we need to do? We need to speak to Chuck Robbins himself. He's the chairman and CEO of Cisco Systems, who comes on in good and bad times to learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Chuck, welcome back to Man Buddy. Well, Jim, thanks for having me. It's always good to spend time with you. Thank you, Chuck. Same. Now, Chuck, I think that there is a, a bit of an issue here. 
people don't seem to understand that what matters in, in your business, orders and demand. Nothing I saw tonight made me feel that anything other than the mo- most robust types of orders for Cisco I've seen in years and demand off the charts. But you did have a supply chain problem. How do we balance these two to make sense of the future of Cisco? Well, I think, you know, last quarter our product orders grew 31%. This quarter they grew 33% against a tougher compare from a year ago. So clearly the momentum actually accelerated. And I think that's what matters, right? I mean, we do have supply chain challenges, but there's a global supply chain crisis. And so the teams did a great job, uh, these component shortages that our teams navigated. But we, we grew our product orders significantly. The other two things I'd point out, Jim, is that our transition to more software content our ARR grew double digits and sits at $21.6 billion, and our remaining performance obligations, or RPO, is at over $30 billion, with over half of that being near-term to be recognized in the next 12 months. And these are metrics that software companies are measured by, and they're going very well. All right, so but let's, let's think of it in the eyes of uh, some of my uh, Twitter followers who are saying, uh, Kramer, how can you continue to back a stock that's stuck in the 50s with issues that, frankly, we thought were under control, supply chain? Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm conscious of the fact that my child trust owns it for a long time. We get that good dividend. I see the orders. I know the stock since 1992. To me, it's one of the stronger times that I've seen Cisco. Trying, but I am trying to deal with the people who say, Chuck, why isn't it happening right now in terms of earnings, growth, and rising forecast for revenue? Well, so we, we executed in Q1 8% revenue growth, 8% non-GAAP EPS growth. We guided the year at 5 to 7 on revenue and 5 to 7% on EPS. Those are the only two numbers that, you know, we executed Q1 and we guided the year. And so we, we, we didn't say how the quarters were going to play out in the midst of getting to the year. And I think that we all recognize that the supply chain challenges are out there. I think the good news is, is that while we saw some deterioration in the first half of the quarter, we saw it stabilize in the second half of the quarter. And we expect this quarter it will remain stable, and then we expect the second half of our fiscal year that we should begin to see some slight improvement. Not what we ultimately want, but we believe we will see some slight improvement, which allows us to uh, remain confident in that full-year guide. Now, some of the, uh, the lines that are incredibly strong. The service provider was a business that for a while, not so sure about the uh, big four digital companies that we all know, the behemoths, not so sure. Those all going your way now. Well, our service provider business grew 66%, and our cloud business uh, on a product order basis grew 200% plus against a quarter where it grew 55% a year ago. And so we are being very successful there. Uh, You know, the 5G transition, the 400 gig transition, we've got Wi-Fi 6 and enterprise modernization happening at the same time. So there's a lot of incredible technology trends that we're super proud of. Our commercial business grew 46%. Our enterprise business grew 30%. I mean, these are, these are just uh, incredible numbers. So the backlog we have right now because of supply chain is the largest backlog we've had in the history of the company. And it's going to ship. <laughs> so we are going to see these results flow through. We just got to work through some short-term issues with the supply chain. Okay, and just so people know, you gave guidance, annual guidance. That has not been your way. It's not been Cisco's way. Obviously, you wouldn't do that unless you had tremendous confidence that it's going to happen. Well, the only the real reason that we were able to give annual guidance is because of the success we've had over the last five years of, of the software transition that we've been driving in our business. We still build the best hardware on the planet, but the software content, when you look at that RPO number, that is the metric that software companies measure. And for it to be over $30 billion 
and grew, you know, product, the product side of that grew 18% year over year. So I think that says that, uh, you know, it gives us more visibility when you think about the amount of revenue. It's, it's over, you know, almost $16 billion that we already see over the next four quarters coming off the balance sheet, plus the, uh, the backlog that we have, you know, as long as we execute on the supply chain over the next three quarters, then we think we're in good shape for the year. Well, Chuck, last time the stock sold off big, I came out here with you and I said it was a great buying opportunity. It was. I've got to tell you, gross margin's okay. Operating income, terrific. I am not going to back away. I think that you're so close to the big breakout. But, Chuck, you know, people are just, look, they're sensitive to the idea that they have to see raised forecast or nothing. You've been around a long time, Chuck. Isn't there something in between? Well, look, we're, we're running this business for the long haul. What I would say is that the innovation that we built, our customers are voting with their orders right now. And the cloud players are voting with their orders. Every segment, think about it, our, our product orders, public sector up 10%, enterprise 30, commercial 46, service provider 66. That tells me that these customers believe in and want the technology we're building. And add that to the software that we got on the balance sheet, the backlog, it's going to be okay. These are just, you know, these are short-term issues that we just have to navigate through, and that's just that's what we do for a living. Well, that's what I, I own it for my trust. I'm sticking with you, Chuck. I know this is the right time to own the stock. Chuck Robbins, chairman and CEO of Cisco Systems. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Okay. We're back after the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master J? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. It's time for a special simulation of the lightning round. That's where we close by fire calls. When you say the name of the stock, I myself is running and play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dad, the lightning round comes on. It's almost over. Todd, in front of Todd. How are you, Jim? I am good. The chill is good. How about you? Uh, not too bad. I'm I'm hanging in there, buddy. Uh, I just called you. Uh, I own a CSX stock, and I would like to. Uh, hey, CSX is good. CSX is good. I will tell you that my Chapel Trust owns Union Pacific. We're doing a special game plan when we do a little speech about this. And I tell you, Union Pacific, I think, is a better company to own at this stage of the cycle. I want to go right now to DeMarco in Michigan. DeMarco. What up, though? Booyah. Booyah right back. How about you? Hey, look at here, man. Tell me what's going on with this canopy group. Um, well, I've had it since. It likes to go down. I think that's a ticket. It likes to go down. I like stocks to go higher. It seems to want to go lower. Why is that? Because the core business isn't that good. I say it's too late to sell, but do not buy anymore. I need to go to Jim in Massachusetts. Jim. Jimmy Chill. Booyah from Boston. Oh, man. Boston. Hey, go Pats. I'm playing some of your guys on the uh, Thursday night at the Fantasy there. What's going on? Jimmy, I got a question. Uh, my stock reported earnings last week, and the stock's been getting about been getting hammered for the last week, about down about 40%. I want to know if it's time to add to my position or run away from Amaris. Um, well, it just did a big convert. People like that. No, I don't want to run from it. I think you got to own it. Don't buy more, though. I think you own it. That's it, though. Hey, you know what? Let's. I'm not done. I need to go to Greg in the home of the Titans. Yes, remember the Titans, Greg in Tennessee. Greg. Well, hi there, Mr. Kramer. Good to talk to you. Oh, good to talk to you, Greg. What's going on? 
Thanks. I'm calling to ask about a, uh, it's an ADR, it's a very large and consistently profitable company in the metals and mining sector, trading at a 52-week low, a very low P.E., pays an attractive okay. dividend. I okay. think it was a screaming buy if it didn't keep dropping, uh, the share price didn't keep dropping. What do you think of Rio Tinto? Oh, God, Rio Tinto's, oh, boy. You know what? When I first got to Goldman Sachs, I bought this stock. I think it's back to where I bought it. I would say don't own it. Don't own it. It's just not worth it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. is next for the electric vehicle stocks? Will Fisker become bigger than Ford? Can Lucid be larger than Ford and GM combined? Can Rivian challenge Tesla for the number one spot in the business? Or is it all just one gigantic hoax? <laughs> Where today's brutal sell-off in the group is simply the first of many. In other words, the electric vehicle business, is it really a rally that's got staying power, or is it merely a repeat of 1999, that year of magical thinking where all the dot-coms worked and people made fortunes, but only if they rang the register before the gains disappeared in 2000. Right now, people are hopping on the electric vehicle bandwagon for one reason and one simple reason only, and that's Tesla. When an electric car company sees its valuation cross the $1 trillion threshold, it makes you want to get in on the ground floor of the next Tesla, even if it means you have to pay through the nose to get in. Remember, nearly everybody groused about how expensive Tesla's stock was practically the whole way up. So can't the same stock levitation act happen to Rivian or Lucid? Sure, it can. And it absolutely is worth hunting for the next big winner here. But only if you recognize that it might not happen. When you buy these nascent electric vehicle stocks, you're not betting on the orders or the sales. You're betting on the momentum of the stock. That's what's at stake, momentum. That's what speculation's all about. But momentum, it's a brutal taskmaster. You can't break its yoke until your company's making a ton of money. And these early-stage electric vehicle plays are years away from turning a profit, especially Lucid. Which brings me back to the 1999 analogy. We all knew that the Internet would change the world. We knew that to be multiple dot-com winners, right? So lots of money managers place what I call a field bet. Now, if you're at the racetrack, that means you bought the whole group. Of course, the vicious math of the dot-com era produced not 10 winners, not five, or even two, of the hundreds of companies that came public through that era and went through the IPO shoot, the only one that managed to become a true behemoth was Amazon, and that was public earlier. The rest either fell by the wayside, or they took the better part of a decade to get their groove back. Priceline, good example, now a $100 billion company, it's called Booking Holdings, but you didn't miss if you, if you sold it in 2000 and bought it back 10 years later, you did great. And that's what really troubles me about the electric vehicle makers, as well as the battery plays, and let's throw in the charging stations. What happens if the only survivor of the era is Tesla? Because Elon Musk got there firstest with the mostest. Maybe Rivian can make it because of the voracious demand for delivery vans from its largest shareholder, Amazon. Maybe Lucid can make it because it won the coveted Motor Trend Car of the Year and it's going from 13,000 reservations to 17,000 reservations in the blink of an eye, even as the reservations can be refunded. Oh, then there's the third possibility. 
maybe these lesser electric vehicle plays turn out to be modern versions of Qualcomm, a telco stock that people thought was going to trade to $1,000 in 1999, fully about $600 higher than it was. Hey, or how about Cisco, which at that point was the biggest uh, company on earth with a $400 billion valuation, a level it still hasn't returned to more than 20 years later and won't this evening. Both Qualcomm and Cisco survived and even thrived, although the latter stock is under the butcher's knife as we talk. Still, it took decades to be fulfilled, and the momentum traders who crowded into their stocks during the dot-com era, they got eviscerated. Remember this phrase. The dot-com bulls were right about what the future would look like, but they were way too optimistic about the timing. So what can you do? Let's be practical. If you own Lucid or Rivian and you've made a ton of money, you have my blessing right here, right now, tomorrow morning, to literally take half off the table. Half. And you can let the rest ride, all right? But remember, you're playing momentum, not car companies and not technology. And in that case, it's better to ring the register early and often. Then if you still want electric vehicle exposure, I got an idea. Maybe you should do what I'm recommending to the CNBC uh, Investment Club. I say buy some Ford. Now, that sells at 10 times earnings. And by the way, they make and sell a lot of cars, and they make a lot of money. Now, it needs the money because it's going to build out its electric product line next year, and it's gotten the windfall from Rivian. Remember, they own 11%. Now, I can't blame anyone who wants to find the next Tesla, and Ford's not going to be that. But I need you to remember the lessons of 1999. There were many stocks that made you money back then, but with the exception of Amazon, you got killed if you didn't quickly ring the register. As I always say, bulls make money, bears make money, but hogs, they get slaughtered. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.